Hello, useful idiots calling all useful idiots. This is, of course, the call-in show that we do. It's the hottest after party on a Monday morning. This is our uh, post-YouTube uh, stream call-in. Make sure you subscribe to us on youtube.com slash usefulidiots. Make sure you subscribe to us at usefulidiots.substack.com, usefulidiots.locals.com. That's where you get extended um, uh, interviews and our amazing Thursday Throwdown uh, uh, segments, which is our midweek reaction to uh, media clips. So, um yeah, let's see. Aaron's here. We got some people in the in the in the audience. Of course, uh, we would love your your questions and comments. And please do. You know, we often we don't have a lot of people who um, uh, we often don't have a lot of people at the beginning. But then we have people at the end, and then we don't have time to get to everyone. So just hop online, even if you don't have a question yet. You might as well. Although I guess the first people. Uh, the first person probably should have a question. It's a but classic, Aaron, it's a, classic it's a classic party dynamic. Everyone's fashionably late. It's true. Nobody wants to be nobody wants to be seen first, you know, because it's whatever. It's not cool, I guess, to be first. And then everybody wants to come in at the end. Right. Well, you know what? Work. Now that you said that, Aaron, late. look at this. We got oh, and look what just happened. Those were some <laughs> persuasive words. Let's well, see. Welcome to the party, everybody. Welcome to the party. Let's go to pseudo. Uh, I can't see the full name, but pseudo, unmute yourself. Hey. Hey. Uh, good morning to you all. Um, good morning. I, I wanted to uh, make a point that I, I haven't um, seen or heard articulated. I mean, I, I expect some people are, are making this point, but um, I think there's a logical connection between uh, the Russia sanctions and previously the, the seizure of the Afghan uh, foreign reserves as well, and the SBB bankruptcy in terms of uh, in what's what's driving rising interest rates. Um, so it, by by seizing foreign reserves, we undermine, you know, fiduciary trust because um, it shows that we're not safe holders of other people's money. Um, 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 therefore, logically, um, foreigners, but also domestic investors uh, who might also perceive uh, certain increased risks in different senses, um, but particularly foreign investors, foreign governments, um, if, if they're going to invest in dollars, logically, in response to the increased risk that their money might be seized, they're going to demand a higher rate of return. Um, for their investment. And, and that's one of the factors, I'm sure, that's driving up the interest rates, which I mean, one way to understand interest rates basically is it's the price of money. Um, so um, it, it, it's striking to me that um, already uh, our, our sanctions um, towards Russia seem to be having um, um, you know, potentially catastrophic effects domestically for our own economy. Um, and there, there's um, there's general commentary about de-dollarization, but there has been, as far as I'm aware, little specific discussion about the connection with SVB. Um, listening to people like David Sachs, though, my understanding is that the main problem for them was that interest rates rising made it so their uh, their um, 
liabilities became excessive. So um, just wanted to uh, contribute that and um, hopefully, uh, um, ho yeah, hopefully um, people will become more sensible, but I, I'm, the attitudes of congressmen are just, they're, they're so dyed in the wool in their, in their commitment to basically ruining the United States and maybe taking down the whole world with them, it seems to me. Yeah, that was the theme of today's uh, Monday morning, uh, as Katie pointed out, that these people would rather have um, Armageddon <laughs> than, uh, like, if, you know, like, then rather than just let other countries dictate their own fate. That they don't want to live in the world where other people can make their own decisions and, and they better blow it up. And in terms of the SVB link, I mean, not my wheelhouse. I just, I just don't know enough about financial stuff. But that's interesting. And thank you for the call. Okay. Uh, William. Hello. Colin. Navigate up. But Hi. Hi, William. Uh, welcome back. Yeah, well, I'm good, good to be back. Um, I happened to catch the Thursday throwdown this week, and I had to get on here and talk about this idiot talking about uh, how he says that that black people should be grateful for. Oh slavery. God, yeah. This is um Matt Walsh, by the way, who made this comment. Yeah. Matt Walsh. Yeah, I forgot what his name was. Thank you for remembering. Why would he? Why no. would we want to remember him? Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, like first of all, if anybody should be grateful for. Uh, slavery it should be the white people who who's the ones who benefited the most from it and the and the country as a whole because i mean like it or not black people had a big uh the slaves had a big hand in building this country of course yeah we didn't do it all ourselves but hey we had a big old hand in doing it and um you know it's just ridiculous um he says that, and, and he uses as justification that, you know, as like proof that what he's saying is true. He says that, well, you know, all I have to do is ask him what, what country would they rather live in in Africa. Well, let me tell you something. Most black people don't know anything about Africa. And you know why? Because we're not taught anything about Africa. I went through entire, I went through all of public school and never learned a thing about Africa. The only thing I ever was taught in public school about Africa was that that's where the slaves came from. Hmm. That was it. The only, everything I know about Africa right now is is uh, what I've taught myself, what I've done from my done my own research and learned on my own. So that's just that's ridiculous. I think it seems to me like he's trying to um, he's trying to absolve himself and or his ancestors from any like responsibility for what happened to us as a group by making this thing like, you know, well, we're better off for being here. And I mean, and, and if he wants an answer to the question, if I want, if I had someplace else I'd rather be than here, it's Ghana. Maybe in parts of, of Nigeria, you know, but I mean, what difference does it make? I don't, I don't know. I've never lived there. There's places yeah, in America. There's a there's, place in America I don't want to go. Right. <laughs> you know? And also, like, uh, it's so funny because what role did, did slavery play in, like, colonialism and slavery played a role in changing Africa anyway? Yeah. So, I don't know. That's all. That's what I want to. Oh, 
And one thing I want to say on a, on a different subject, um, all this talk about ta- uh, Taiwan and, and, you know, what happens if, um, if the people who make all those chips in Taiwan, what happens if they just move the, move the factories to China? <laughs> what are they going to do then? Mm. Anyway, that's all I had to add for you for today. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, William. Thank uh, you. All right. And yeah, Matt Walsh. I, I, I couldn't believe that clip. Uh, that, yeah, that was awesome. I never listened to him speak for longer than like five seconds. Because every time I see him, I just, you know, I just move on. But yeah. being forced to watch him speak. I mean, I, this is truly it, it, probably the dumbest uh, little uh uh, rant I've ever seen in my life. Um, <laughs> it's so st- unbelievably ignorant and racist and insane. Um, yeah. The level of idiocy, way- like, it's like maybe we didn't even, maybe we didn't even fully capture how dumb that rant was. It's just right. insane. And to catch that, uh, you can go to youtube.com. Uh, sorry, whoops. You go to usefulidiots.substack.com or usefulidiots.locals.com, and that's where you get the Thursday Throwdown feature. All righty. So let's go to our next caller and hear from Sterling. Hi, Sterling. Good morning, guys, and um, useful idiot heads. Um, Yeah, you know, there's a similar video of Tucker talking about India. Have you seen that? Yeah, yeah. I commented that on that back when I was off the hill. That was so sick. I could not get over that. But I think there's just that much of a disconnect and maybe fear because I don't see how you could possibly think that's right. But it kind of falls into um, what Aaron was saying earlier about them wanting Armageddon. It's like, imagine how convinced of your self-righteousness or your righteousness you have to be to want Armageddon. And I truly believe these people are there. And that's like terrifying. Um, And Lindsay, I mean, all of this is going to make me crazy because I'm definitely one of those people that Jesus is just all right with me, if you know the song. Um, so when people like Lindsay talk like that and say being that it's Easter and here's some good news and yeah. then to talk about war in, Tyra- in um, ta- uh, Taiwan is so infuriating to me. But there's so much of it. And I think as much as there's big pharma in this country, there is certainly big church and it is incredibly powerful. It has an unbelievable amount of money. It is so tied to our government. And this is all like games for them. Women's issues are they don't really care. And it's just to keep people feeling better than the other and a part of a group. Um, and it's really, really disgusting. And for me personally, um, having thoroughly entrenched myself um, in some religious study, uh, it's just no representative, not representative of Jesus in any way, shape or form, um, to even be discussing more on the disgusting level we do. And when you talk about, and I was feeling bad about William, because yeah, this country is built on you know, obviously only blood and the empire is built on only blood and exploiting people. And it's really going to come back to us. And it's, it's amazing because I really believe when empire falls, what's going to be remembered is they kept claiming they were a Christian nation. And I just had a friend say to me this morning, he's like, I really think this should be a, a national holiday, a federal holiday today, the day after Easter. And it just went right through me. I was like, no, we can't keep doing that. Then, you know, if we're going to do that, then obviously um, Yom Kippur. I mean, all, all of these holidays would need to be national to be in America in a democracy. So we're only condemning ourselves or Christians are only condemning themselves when they keep doing this, when they keep putting in God we trust on money and on police cars. And then 
You know, we're just wasting money, not taking care of people on the streets, and we're killing people with our police. I mean, Christianity is really in a big, it's just, to me, it's just a really bad sign of what is going to be happening here. And um, so I just feel like sometimes, especially something like after Easter, this really needs to be reiterated. Uh, Nobody is following Jesus here in this, as far as this big church thing that's happening. And the hundreds of millions of dollars they're they're making tax-free, generally off poor people, who are very insecure. But, you know, I don't give a, I don't give a, you know, a buy to the left either. I mean, I think that's just a war between the two of them. And obviously the American people are suffering, suffering. And I, I hate that I'm just ranting to people. I feel like I'm preaching to the choir because all of you guys know this and it's why I'm always here with my idiot heads. Um, but yeah, I just hope somehow it gets to a broader audience that this is just not how this works and we're going to start paying for it. And I think we already are. I think the empire is is dying. And I think part of the reason is we tried to build it in Jesus name. So, and I think that's just, that's just sad. But um, anyway, I just had to vent and I'm so glad I can do that here with you guys. And you never interrupt me and I never seem to have a question. But um, Well, yeah, imagine, imagine if these <laughs> Jesus followers actually follow Jesus. Wouldn't that be? Right. That's what I mean. It always brings, it almost brings me to tears. It really yeah. infuriates me. So I, yeah. I'm just glad I have a venue to talk about it and love you guys. And um, hopefully we'll talk soon. Thanks, Sterling. Jesus' actual message is welcome here anytime. Yeah. Okay. Maria. Good morning to you all, and thank you, Sterling. Uh, You definitely woke me up. I was was actually going to take a nap, but I can't do that now. Um, And I, I, I got through about 45 minutes of your all show. And thank you. Before I got a phone call from my Aunt Ruth in tears, wanting to make sure my dad was okay in downtown Louisville in the clinic where he teaches, because he was three blocks away from the active shooter and la la la. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, you know, I was like, Dad, call your sister. Call, call your sister. But I, it just seems like we're on repeat. But anyhow, I, I'm a little bit curious um, if you all caught, if you all caught the America This Week episode with Matt Taibbi and Walter Kern, titled "Fuck MSNBC." I did not. It's. It was, I, I can't speak for anybody else, but it was definitely worth an hour of my time. Um, but anyhow, I, and, and a lot of the commentary seems to be that those, those multimedia, you know, mainstream media attacks on the indies you know, is, uh, you know, it's ridiculous because they're not even going after the people they're trying to go after. They're trying to get them to fess up to something nefarious about the people they are really after. And the only reason they take those tactics is because, you know, independent media is going to overwhelm and consume because independent media is increasingly trusted for all the right reasons. Do you, what, and I, I'm really 
I've got a really good feeling that we're on the positive side of window. that. When you're done speaking, tap here to mute. Oh. Double tap to activate. Oh, double tap. Should I double tap something? Are you hearing me? I think that's on your end. Oh, you know what's happening? Colin is being buggy again. So, William, you are still on. Oh, oh okay. Sorry so about that. You know, no, yeah, that's it's my not phone. It's not your fault at all. Colin just gets buggy sometimes. So, William, what you want to do is quit the app, uh, and that will fix it. And then you can come back in. Or, or just restart okay. your phone. Um, sorry about this. Yeah. this And it's really... It's an issue because it's an invasion of people's privacy. Um, and uh, like once you hang up a call, you know, you're you should be hung up a call. So, yeah, that's my, my phone. But see, I, I got I use talk back on my phone because, like I said, I can't see my phone. Yeah, anyway, I'm, I'm going to restart. You restart the phone. Yeah, there you go. And so, sorry about that, William. And, and uh, yeah, uh, we, Side key we, will, settings. we will Power alert off. the call in team. Button roll one and grid three rows, one call. All right. All right. Thank you. Restart. Okay. Restart. All right. Button out of grid. Yes. Okay, Maria, go ahead. Yeah. Was that a mainstream media hacker trying to subvert our platform of independent journalism? It's not. It's just a buggy app. You know, it's it's just a buggy app. I know. I know. I'm kidding. It is buggy. But I, I just wanted to get your feel on has the tide turned? away from mainstream media to reliable sources and independent? Is that continuing? What? When do you think the tipping point will be? And have we gotten there? Uh, I mean, you know, like who am I to make that kind of prediction? I don't know. Um, people, I just do think that when you're lied to, so often there does there is an impact and i i think we're already seeing a lot of people abandon corporate media if you look at msnbc's ratings they're pretty bad like rachel maddow still has a huge following but aside from that you know a lot of people just aren't watching anymore and their audience is certainly not the kind of like the demo that advertisers want they're not watching msnbc and cnn and, and fox so um but in terms of a, a tipping point, who knows? I mean, look, um, people who get hired in that system, they're hired because they toe the line. And they, um, and that's just what it is. And uh, so that system will always exist because, you know, the propaganda systems needs people to be able to, willing to sell out and toe the line. So it will always be there. And um, I do think right now we're in a time when independent media has never been more popular, and that's a positive thing. Well, what what about the sustainability element of it? Because I've got $30 in my budget per month to subscribe to independent media sources. I know, and that sucks. I know, and that sucks. And and it is a problem now where just people can't, you know, afford all the independent journalists that they want to, so they have to make choices. And, um, you know, that's... um, that's too bad. It sucks. But I mean, I think, you know, uh, all of us, I think the answer there is, you know, there's, so for some people, there's going to be some content that they miss out on, but you know, you just have to make choices in terms of what your budget allows. And, um, 
you know, hopefully, and hopefully, I mean, if, hopefully everyone who you like will provide enough of their stuff for free that, you know, if you miss out on one thing, it's not the end of the world because you're still getting some free stuff elsewhere, you know. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it does mean for people some choices and it means they're not going to get everyone that they want. And, um, you know, the idea of everyone joining one big network on, like, the lefty independent side, maybe one day, but the problem is there's so many... <laughs> Everyone's kind of siloed now, and everyone's got their own little territory. Nobody wants to really collaborate, so I don't know. That issue might never get resolved, unfortunately. Yeah. I I have my $5 a month set aside for Katie's Patreon. Oh. I don't have a subscription for you, Aaron, but no question, I'm, I'm first in line to buy your book. Well, that's very kind, I, and uh, the book will be out... Um, Later this year. So thank you. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Um, okay. Uh, let's uh, go to Al. Hello, Al. Hey. Hey, uh, huge, huge fan of your guys' show. Um, uh, so one, one question I wanted to uh, ask was about the recent Taibi interview. Uh, for me, it was kind of frustrating being such a big fan of Taibi. Uh, that he wasn't better prepared for that interviewer. I mean, like anybody that's followed Betty Hassan knows he's a hack. He's been trying to sell out for a while since he was at the Intercept. Finally got a show on MSNBC. But like, I, I just don't understand. Like, some of those questions seem pretty basic. Like having an opinion on, you know, Twitter censoring like Indian nationals or, or things like that. Um, I know you guys aren't going to want to talk badly about uh, Close Colleague, but uh, why do you think that no, it's fine. Look, so look, wrong? Look, Matt is um, a nice guy. Medi, I mean, I, I'm going to be a little, I'm going to be, I'm going to be a little ad hominem here. Oh, you know what? Actually, I'll try to avoid being yeah, you know. ad hominem. Medi, I don't think he's interested in a good faith discussion. I think Medi is interested in playing gotcha and grilling Matt, and he wasn't really interested in discussing the substance of Matt's reporting. <clears throat> he focused his energies on finding any error he possibly could in Matt's Twitter files reporting, which is like a lot of text. Matt did a lot of work on this. He's put out a lot of different installments of the Twitter files and Medi's deployed his team to find any error that they could. They came up with like three. Some of them I think weren't even errors, but even if they were errors, all of them, like they don't change the substance of the reporting, which is that there is, there has been heavy pressure on social media companies to censor dissenting voices, to limit the spread of certain information. And that's a problem if you care about free speech and democracy, you know, and instead of talking about that, Medi focused on finding some errors in, in, in Matt, like including Matt getting an acronym wrong, like CIS or CISA, like who cares? <laughs> who cares? And Matt, and Matt, and Matt, because he's a nice guy, I think he, he's, he, he's an act, and he's a print reporter. He's not like a talking head. He expected some kind of good faith discussion. So yeah, he wasn't ready to be grilled by Medi on all these trivial issues. And yeah, he didn't, he, you know, he obviously has some kind of relationship to Musk. I mean, after Musk bought Twitter, that's when the Twitter files were opened up. And so Matt, from his point of view, doesn't want to go out of his way to trash his source, you know, and, um, yeah, should he have had answers on that issue when he knew it was going to be raised? Yeah, he should have. But I think, you know, his focus is on 
the reporting. He's done so much work on this on the Twitter files that, like, I think naturally he expected to talk about that, and not he didn't expect maybe to be grilled over it. But then that's that's a result of thinking that Medi operates in good faith, which I don't think he does. Yeah, no, that that makes sense. I think the, the most frustrating part for me was seeing John Stewart like Medi uh, make that comment about like holy fact checker back man on uh, on Medi's. Uh, one comment, but <laughs> I don't know. John Stewart's kind of been going down in my esteem for a while. Uh, yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thanks. All righty. Jonathan. Hey, Jonathan. Hello. Hello. Uh, I was just like, I hit call when Sterling was on because I was like, yes, yes. She just like was hitting the nails on the head so hard. The nails really, and then, um, Jesus and resurrection, yeah, all of them, yeah, yes. The nails, my... and she was driving the nails right into the cross, right? Big. Oh, god, this is getting gory, okay. But then Maria says, so she feels like we're talking in circles, and that's to me only added to the point. Like, I feel like I'm in Groundhog Day all the time, and the same thing over and over again. I'm turning it on, and there's AOC on your show talking about abortion. I was like, oh, god. Okay, and they're like, but Jonathan, don't how dare you call it a fake issue? These real people are being really affected, and they don't deserve what's happened to them. And that's all very true. It's a real issue, but just because it's real does not mean it wasn't manufactured. Sterling's right that these people don't give a fuck about abortion. These people who give big money to pro-life, pro-gun, anti-immigration campaigns don't sit around their fireplace sitting brandy thinking, oh, God, what if a zygote has a soul? Or what if the proliferation of uh, extended magazines are going to cause more plebeian deaths? Or what if, if my, is my child going to be turned into a moral reprobate by taking in a drag show? They don't think about that shit. They're just trying to keep the conversation away from their pocketbook. That's it. There's nothing else going on. Everything else is like you uh, deciding what to talk about based on what the media talks. I'm not telling you to stop doing what you're doing, by the way. I just want everybody to be conscious that this is the commentary on the commentary on the commentary on the commentary. We've no way divested from mainstream media by allowing it to dictate the terms of engagement. Like Sun Tzu well, says, why, don't let your enemy choose the we, field that you're fighting. Go ahead. That's why we critique it and don't just regurgitate it. And that's also why we have an entire show that we do called Useful Idiots. That's not Monday morning where right, we yeah. have on. Uh, which I love. Is it? But that's, and that's also, also, Jonathan, also Jonathan, Jonathan, also, we're just trying to have a little fun too. That's what I, I know. See, I'm not like, yeah. I'm not here to shit on anybody's yeah, yeah, version no, 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 of what no, they do no, for fun. I, I have fun. I'm just saying, stupid shit no one cares about. I'm just saying it's it's okay to have a little fun sometimes. And for me personally, I really enjoy Monday morning because it's funny. It's it's a so good time. I. We laugh. I'm sitting here like, watching like, it, aren't and I? That's, and, and and to bring laughter to the world to me is a <laughs> is a fun thing to do. Yeah. Right. And, and when somebody else made this point about some other Colin show, I defended yours because I said you know what you're doing. It's not pretending to be something that it's not, but. There's all these people uh, that and I'm talking more to your audience than to you right now. You know what I mean? Just just be conscious of when you're divesting and when you're not. And this is not divesting. It's still part of the infinite uh, washing machine. Like what Sun Tzu says, don't let your enemy choose the battlefield on which you're fighting. And that's what we tend to always do. And I have my conspiracy theory here is that the left, broadly speaking, won't ever arrive at consensus consciously because they know if, if they do, then they have to shut the fuck up and do something. And they don't, nobody's ready for that. You know what I mean? Well, fair enough. I think, I think there's some truth to what you're, I think sadly there's some truth to what you're saying. It's, 
it is very easy to make fun of stuff and to sit on the sidelines, but yeah, I do it too. I'm doing it right yeah, now, but we all like, do it. Uh, it's true. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. where's the consensus? Yeah. Isn't it's not even a lack of consensus. I've never had a problem getting anybody on the board with the idea that a oh, universal basic services and a wealth tax are a good idea. The problem is getting everybody off board with all of this drivel, all of this cyclical nonsense, media driven issue tornado that we spend a thousand words and a thousand hours on when we have broad consensus between green libertarians on a bunch of stuff that will directly affect the relationship between people and power and ownership. And yet we just don't do it because they're like, Oh, uh, uh, what, what do you think about this uh, thing that AOC is talking about that her, that whatever, I'm not sure to take a giant shit on AOC either, but you know what I mean? You get it. I think it's good what she's doing on this issue. I think that people, like, we criticize her a bunch for her war stuff. Um, I think, I know that the Gray Zone actually just published something about her, um, about this anti-military protest of her. So I think it's good. Like, you can, you can, you, you, you her can. Her takes are good. But the, her, the yeah. goodness of her takes is part of the, like, the, they want you to win these little battles they set up for you. Because then you get to feel vindicated and cathartic and, like, something has happened when nothing has. Well, it's, I mean, abortion is an issue. I don't. I I think that sometimes people dismiss like just because something's weaponized and used as a as a wedge doesn't mean it's not important. You just have to, and we can talk and gum at the same time. Yeah, weaponized and created as a weapon to be used as a wedge is the difference. Sure, but I, then it still has a major impact on people. Absolutely, and then you're forced to deal with it, and then yeah, months go are, by. Right, but we can't respond same battle by not over doing anything. Exactly. The alternative is not doing anything about this important issue. And unless you want to propose that we abandon abortion rights, then not. I don't see any other option. Abandon Jonathan, the thank you for the call. Lib- okay, Jenny. Hey, I put a link in the chat to an article talking about Jim Acosta being canceled in the press corps by the White House after he sort of whacked a White House intern's hand away, holding on to the microphone while he was hitting on President Trump in a really argumentative way. And the reason I share that is because the journalistic class has just pointed to all of these seeming breaches with the Trump administration and how he treated the press and was constantly heckling them for the last six years as if he was taking these press people behind the White House and putting a bullet in their brain like old totalitarians do. I'm waiting for this journalistic class to have the humility to admit they got the Russia story wrong and give some props to President Trump for calling them out about their absolute lies. I wouldn't hold that, by the way, but keep going. What would you say, Kitty? I'm sorry. I wouldn't hold my breath for that, waiting for that. Yeah. Well, it it was great to have Matt himself on his sub stack point to all of their absolute lies around so many different topics. And his rejoinder to Mehdi Hassan and his, you know, Slay, so-called slaying of him during this MSNBC interview, which I personally think was on the same level of what we saw happen in Congress. You had all these congressional harpies just attack, 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 both Matt and Michael Schellenberger. And anybody who's honest hearted could look at what was happening and say, this is crazy the way that they were coming after them. I felt the same way about the MSNBC interview. You know, it was unfair. It was mean. It was... Uh, even just kind of like unhinged, I think, in many ways, for him to be attacking these almost non-issues when the, the heart of Matt's work 
is pointing to all these intel agencies infiltrating the whole internet and messing with all of us. That's the story. And that's what we have to constantly point to is all of the lies, all the censorship. That's the story. And, and then back up Matt and Barry Weiss and all these other big journalists who've stepped up and, and the fight between Elon and Substack and all of that, I don't know what that's about. I have my own sense of what it is, but the bottom line is the truth is coming out and it's a glorious time to right. be alive. I will, I will not be backing up Barry Weiss uh, because she's in, in my opinion, anti-Palestinian bigot. So I, I can't, I can't get behind her, but uh, I, I agree with you on Matt. And um, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, look, Medi's colleagues at MSNBC all work for the national security state and these front groups and spread their lies, and so he's just taking part in uh, in doing their bidding, and um, that's who, that's what he wants to do as a journalist. That's what he wants to spend his energies. That's his choice. But I, I think it exposed him as not being really interested in in, in serious threats to democracy and free speech. And I, you know, uh, but but that's his call. So thank you, Jenny, for the call. He seemed upset about um, uh, Ryan and Emily at uh, counterpoints at breaking at breaking points. He seemed upset that uh, Medi seemed upset that Ryan about about Ryan's uh, critique of the interview between Medi and Matt, which was interesting. Hello, Jonathan. Hello. Getting off of another forty-eight hour shift. I am. You are. Welcome. And I had actually forgotten that you were in Discordia. I'm not sure if you're aware, but a lot of the footage around that that whole series of incidents at Concordia was major fodder for not just the traditional pro-Israel community fundraising, but they expanded it to the Jewish community. They were shaking that tree and being like, oh, look what's going on in these college campuses. We have to donate money for, you know, training uh campus advocates and things like that. Oh, there's anti-Semitism on campus and stuff like that. But, you know, all the people that I talked to that were actually there were like, it wasn't, I mean, it was, it was not that big a deal. Like there was no anti-Semitism. It was pretty normal. Uh, you know, it was, uh, it was an interesting time to be there. Certainly. I, uh, you were there? I, I, no, I mean, like, I wasn't there. I wasn't at Concordia, but I mean, they, I saw all the, all the footage, like it was a major topic of discussion all over the, you know, the U S and Canada at the time. And, uh, and this is when yeah. you were working with what remind people of what your, your relationship is to APAC. I was a APAC trained campus advocate in the early two thousands. You know, they used to uh, fly me up to Washington for training seminars for the Savant center for, uh, uh, for Middle East, whatever, um, you know, they, uh, Haim Saban of, of Power Rangers sponsored that. And uh, they'd send us to the policy conference. They had special uh, training things for us at the APAC policy conferences as well. There was even one thing where they sent us to Israel for advanced PR training uh, called the uh, Hasbara Fellowships, wow. which is still around, I think. Um but yeah, that's uh, I was I was definitely I was a Tulane student around that time period. But uh, I remember it was there was a lot of buzz around it. Uh, but yeah, the the main reason I called in was to to comment on the uh, you know a lot of the the China Taiwan um, hawkery that you guys covered today on that show. Lindsey Graham never fails to deliver. He's 
he's kind of up there with um, with with Bolton in terms of like there, he never met a war he didn't like. But, um, you know, like I'm finding I think Sirota had on like a, a congressman. I think he might have been recently retired a couple of months ago. And I think that this is like the whole anti-China stuff is so endemic in both parties uh, that none of these people have bothered to do even the most basic due diligence about uh, either China or Taiwan. And, you know, this is all information that's, that's relatively easily available. I think I submitted a question because it happened while I was at work. It was on a Friday, I guess. And I mentioned, like, he was talking about something about um, railroad right-of-ways. And I'm like, you know, this is a country with stricter eminent domain laws than even China. Like, they will eminent domain your ass in this country to build a Walmart. Why can't they eminent domain some of these uh, private property owners for a railroad right-of-way. And but he bristled. He didn't even really address the question. He bristled at the whole thing that, uh, you know, anybody who Googles, you know, China nail houses, which you should probably take the time to do, a picture's worth a thousand words, uh, can see, like, China is a country that doesn't have uh, any kind of really strict uh, eminent domain. And, you know, it's one of those contradictions. It's, uh, you know, in many ways, at least as authoritarian a country as this one. But uh, in some areas, they're they're certainly much more progressive than we are. And, uh, you know, in that respect, like if, if people don't like if some stubborn butthead refuses to take a buyout, they just build the infrastructure around them. And that's what a nail house is. Uh, it's a, a loose translation of a word that means a, a, a nail that won't be hammered down. And, you know, this kind of stuff, like, they're like, oh, when the Chinese want something, they'll just come bang down your door and take it and throw you in prison. Well, you know, like I said, anybody who does basic due diligence can see that's that's not actually how it works. These are just stories people tell themselves. But, I mean, these are congressmen, for God's sake, that deal in foreign policy, and they don't know basic stuff. Like, they're repeating old wives' tales, and I don't, I don't know what can even be done about that other than, you know, wait for those people to die off. Hmm. Do you? Um, I don't know what can be done about it. Honestly, I'd like to have some insight into it, but no, the answer is yes. They have to die off. That's really the answer. Um, I guess it is all these, um, you know, uh, fanatical anti-Palestinians are just, they're so entrenched in their views, they're never going to change, and um, progress will come with a new generation. I, I really do believe that. Because it's, it's, it's it, you know, indoctrinating a whole new generation in a racist movement, which is, you know, Zionism today, is, is just not, it's, it's not as tenable. Now, these people grew up in a time when that was passable and they had the memory of the Holocaust on their minds, and you know th that makes people more sympathetic or, or more able to overlook all the crimes that Israel commits. But things have changed now, and so um, yes, I do honestly think the answer, or, you know, like once these people are no longer with us, things will it, it'll be easier for things to change. Well, I hope so. That's all I got for this week. But uh... thanks, Jonathan. Thank you. Okay, Anthony. Well, hello. I was wondering if you guys saw the um, a tweet put out by, you know, that, I guess, that lying representative, George Santos, the one who lied about his resume. He said the industrial war complex is salivating at the thought of U.S. entering conflict with China. I'm a hard no. I will urge my colleagues to do the same. 
What, did you see that? No, that's, that's interesting that he would say that. Wow. I, I, I put it up in my list of uh, the GOP outflanks the left again. Right. That's definitely an example of it. And uh, on March 31st, Ghost, Rep, Representative Gosar from Arizona, he's another big right winger, but he's put out a statement, no more money to Ukraine. Uh, it's a proxy war where we don't belong. And wow. I just I just can't believe, you know, I couldn't imagine any of the quote unquote progressives saying anything like those two statements. Yeah, I don't think they would, which is pretty pathetic. It's, it's a good tweet. You should look it up. Um, what's it, Santos? Yeah, all right. That's really funny. Hopefully, it's Thanks, not. Anthony. Could be a lie. Just remember, it could be a lie. Okay, William. And uh, William, if you're there, there's a mute button you can hit. And if not, we'll go on to the next William. Who's right? Up now. Go ahead. Hi, William. Can you hear me? There you go. Yes. Hi, sorry for that delay. The app did a weird thing on me. Took away the button. That's normally there. Um, okay. So, first of all, thanks so much for doing what you're doing. Hi, Katie. Um, I, as far as the war mongering and saber rattling, uh, I think we all can agree it's absolute insanity. Uh, like, um, Jeffrey Sachs said, it was the British Empire before 1950, the most violent empire. Now it's the U.S. Empire, right? Remember when he was on stage and he got cut off? Yeah. I can't remember, right? It's, I, it's mind boggling, isn't it? The death and destruction, the, the, just narcissism, no caring for human life, children, babies. I, I, I don't know what to say. I, uh, mothers, everybody. Um, so, uh, moving on from that, the courts, um, yes, I mean, statutes of limitations, right guys, Katie and Aaron, they're created in the House and Senate of every state. And they're supposed to be upheld. They're not created in the, in the court. Do you know what I mean? So when there's a statute of limitation, the judge is supposed to stick with that. And I contend it's a, it's a grounds for an appeal when a statute of limitations is just, Pooped on by a judge. I mean, we're, I, I, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then last thing I want to comment on is, listen, I am pro-life, and uh, I know we all have our individual opinions. I don't think it should be legislated, you know. I think uh, people should have discussion about it. And um, what opened me up real quick was uh, when I was at Fordham, I had to do a, uh, a debate speech, and I was – just turned, I think it was 17 at the time. And, uh, I, I got the pro-life, uh, you know, card to do. And I started looking into it, but I'll tell you what, that affected how, uh, I treated myself with women and took responsibility for myself and my sexuality and so that I wouldn't uh, impregnate a woman, you know, so those, the, perhaps so I'm just suggesting people consider looking into what 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 happens in abortion, and, and uh, it's tragic on either way. I do think that women need to be supported if they decide to keep their their babies, and uh, I, I suggest all men don't bail. You know, if you take responsibility for yourself, you know, um, 
But uh, Katie, are you going to touch on these? I, I know it's off topic real quick, but are you going to touch on these Palestine again? Because I know Lewis and the uh, status quo are ch having a lot more on that. I uh, think from last week. Yeah, you're going to go follow up on your show with more. On um, not well this week. I'm not sure because I want to get to other stuff, but I'm sure I'll, I'll return to it at some point. Yeah. Oh, great, great. Um, can you remind me and when you're, uh, when is your, are you tomorrow? I'm confused. Yes, tomorrow at two, I'm always on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. EST at youtube.com slash the Katie Halper show. And if you subscribe, you should get a notification. So you just hit subscribe and then the bell. Yeah. Great. Now, did you post the last, uh, call in you did? Cause I didn't see it. I was looking for it unless my yeah. app. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I did. Huh, I don't know why I didn't notice that. Anyway, so. Double check. Yeah, and thank you. Uh, I really should have, though. Yeah. Okay, thanks a lot for taking the call. Thank you. Um, okay, where are we? Let's see. Let me, uh, blah, blah, blah. Where are we? Um, sorry, I was looking at the comments, so I'm in the wrong view of it. Uh, okay, uh, Cade. Hi, Cade. Hi, Katie. Um, it was an interesting um, early morning show. I hadn't actually, somehow I hadn't heard about the um, abortion ruling really in detail until I heard you start talking about it. Um, and it just seems really strange with like the dueling nationwide injunctions and, yeah. you know, this like 17 year old decision by the FDA being overruled. It's just, it's kind of bizarre, but I do kind of want to echo a little about what William was saying. Like I was raised um, pro-life and I'm still like deeply conflicted about it. Um, death penalty? No, I'm opposed to the death penalty. I'm, I was raised Catholic. So, I mean, yeah. and also just, but I'm a little more firmly anti-death penalty than I am. I, I, I would never, obviously I would never get an abortion. I'm a guy, but I would never, you know, I, I, I do see it as sort of a life still. Um, obviously i mean you know you're weighing against the mother's life and i i get that there's like complexity and i'm not i'm only so confident in my own views you know um but what always frustrates me in my family like my mom voted she voted my mom my grandma my grandparents all voted republican for years um because they wanted to you know get roe v wade overturned and roe v wade was you know this judicially inserted you know doctrine that was protecting the right to abortion um, and obviously Dobbs has now overturned that. Um, but at some point my parents just decided, my mom just decided, you know, like between the Iraq war and, uh, you know, just all those social policies that the Republicans support, like, you know, if you care about life, you've got to, got to weigh those lives too. Um, and so like ever since then, it's just, it's frustrated me to no end that like this never gets settled, um, to the point where we can start talking about like, I mean, if you if you actually if like Republicans actually wanted to prevent abortions, we would have um, we would fund our like adoption system. We would um, guarantee health care, um, both like during pregnancy, after pregnancy, before pregnancy for the children, um, not be slashing, you know, Medicaid to 15 million people. Right. And then we would give like, you know, like they did this child stipend thing for, you know, one year and then let it die. Um, you know, that would be, you know, permanent so that people could afford to have ch children. Um, like they talk about like, like the Republicans keep talking about like the declining, um, 
like fertility rate and how like we're we're not gonna or maybe maybe they 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 tend to color it in terms of race and like worry about whether we have a we're replacing our population and i think there's like a little bit of legitimacy to that but if you cared about that like you'd make it easier to have kids and then also right. you the last thing i think the most important thing you'd probably do is you'd try to make conception or contraceptives like completely free um and available in like whatever form people wanted them so that you were having like way fewer you know it's it's not like we have to choose you know we're inherently choosing between like unwanted pregnancies being carried to term or abortions happening you can interject earlier and let people have free contraceptives and then you have fewer unwanted pregnancies that are going to be resolved you know in any you know in either bad outcome so it's just it's constantly frustrating the way that they um the the way these these things keep coming back up like you know in michigan like so dobbs overturned roe got rid of um the fundamental right to privacy that included the right to abortion returned it back to the states well then of course like michigan we had a we had a vote and abortion the right to abortion was enshrined and protected and so you would think that'd be the end of like like even if you were going with like the republican like theory of like we're returning power to the states you'd think that'd be the end of it went back to the states okay we've settled this like narrow abortion question now can we like actually get to like the overall like health questions that could prevent there from even being a bunch of unwanted pregnancies that people either had to abort or had to um you know carry to term and and they never do it and it's it's all the more egregious because if you think i mean there are tons of pro-life women in the country who aren't going to have an abortion um you know not because the government's imposing the inability to have an abortion but because they actually care about the you know fetus and if they're not given you know options um then that's all should be all the more like frustrating if republicans actually cared about the issue but they don't they just want the political football so i guess i i did sympathize with what like william was saying about that earlier yeah i mean i think what you're saying is true which is that we just see that obviously these people are not pro-life because if they were they care about lives of people who were born Exactly. Yeah. They'd care about lives of people who are born. They'd care about mothers' lives in pregnancy. And like, I mean, they, this yeah. particular ban on this, this, um, it, it came up a little on the questioning that you were, um, sorry, that you were doing. Can you still hear me? So my computer's yeah. acting up. Um, no, we can hear you. Okay. Um, but this particular pill isn't just used for abortions. It's used for miscarriages. Right. Um, so like if you care about life like it'd be a bizarre thing to do and he doesn't even really rationalize it under like a like life of the life of the baby matters too thing it's just like this like administrative decision with this uh, this ruling that i i think probably actually will get overturned but it's it's just kind of it's just depressing that they never they never get to preventing unwanted pregnancies they always set up the field of you know fighting that it's we're going to have these unwanted pregnancies no matter what we're not going to make make them any more likely to be wanted by making it easier to have kids and we're not going to make it any less likely that you get one of the unwanted pregnancies by making like contraceptives available so we're always just going to fight over this point where like we we are kind of too late in the process to have a good outcome and we're getting one of two bad outcomes and then either 
someone's being forced to either by their own like morals or the law um, carry a carry a baby to term, or were killing either killing a life if you want to think of it that way, or um, ending a fetus or whatever. Um, but it's just they they always want that fight to be had too late for too late in the like process for it to make a difference it's just it's kind of it, it's depressing if you're pro-life or if you're pro-choice i would imagine because no one should want like if if you're pro-choice you should want fewer of these decisions coming up and then yes the women get to choose whether to abort or not and if you're um, pro-life and i guess the like sort of government-based way you should want less of these unwanted pregnancies coming up and then you know women carrying them to term but but they don't they, they're not interested in either in right. anything that reduces the okay, number of gonna, pregnancies we're gonna move on yeah sorry but, but uh no, but yeah very good point thank, yeah. thank you yeah thanks, just, for, thanks for all these points thanks, thanks it's depressing me. but thanks a lot for thank you lee hi katie and aaron uh quickly i just am so um grateful you are writing your book, Aaron, and I just keep seeing how polarizing all the fear-mongering, war-mongering is, and the everyday person wants to fit in with their tribe, so it seems too often it's pick a side, it's black and white, and very primitive. And so I just wanted to, I don't even know how to say it, but it, I wanted to encourage you beyond the steel manning, look at that media song thing with Matt. You know, you're smart and you can anticipate reasons people are going to, where they aren't actual reasons, but made up reasons to discount your book. And if you're addressing, let's say, that idiot on MSNBC, I was so frustrated, I shouldn't name call, but, you know, like, he, the, you could just see what was going to happen, because Matt doesn't go there. He, I mean, except for saying vomiting for, on MSNBC, which was the appropriate word. He, so your emotional regulation abilities could be applied to this book and show people it isn't just a choice between those two tribes. There is another tribe of grown-ups who care about being insightful and enlightened and have depth of character. And depth of character is not just owned by Christians. So I, I it's a lot, but I, you know, I, I've told my book group that there will be a study guide, whether I write it or not for your book. Well, Lee, thank you. I appreciate that. And, um, I am racing to complete it as fast as I can. <laughs> That's all I could say. Yeah, uh, but you but you bring character, strength of character, and having that be a framework for why you are trying to educate the public, it, it means a lot. You know, as opposed to just getting into one of these idiot, you know, polarizing debates where things are black and white. It's a ongoing, very. Uh, important process of having people wake up to what's happening. So thanks. Well, thank you, Lee. I appreciate that. Okay, Ian. Hello, guys. Good morning. Hi. Hi. Good morning. 
So I am the caller from Brazil. Oh. And Okay, so about that UN meeting, you know, Aaron took part and about that that kind of news you said about Jose Bustani being threatened by Joe Bolton, you know. Lula likes to brag about how stood up he stood up to Bush and refused to send weapons to Iraq because his war was against hunger. But imagine if he told us that uh, a Brazilian official was threatened, you know, to pursue the truth and debunk the false pretext for the Iraq invasion. I thought that would be very powerful. So maybe you could interview some diplomats, you know, on how they write those speeches and how they select those talking points. Because I thought we it was a missed opportunity, you know, to really tell tell truth to power. Well, the Brazil, so, okay, so what Ian's referring to is, I recently spoke at the UN Security Council about the um, cover-up scandal at the OPCW over its investigation of a chemical weapons probe in Syria. And uh, at the meeting, the Brazilian representative came out in support of accountability for the scandal. And uh, I had mentioned the experience of Jose Bustani, who was a Brazilian diplomat who was threatened by John Bolton when he was standing in the way of the Iraq war and Bolton told him he had to resign from his job as the head of the OPCW. Uh, and Bustani stood his ground and Bolton said to him, we know where your kids live. And, uh, but the Brazilian representative did, you know, did, did speak out in support of Bustani and said, yes, he does have a story to tell. And he promoted a documentary uh, that features Jose Bustani uh, about his whole story. So, um, you know, look, it's, It's not my place to encourage Brazilian officials what to say. I mean, that's their that's their business. But um, I was personally very heartened that he supported that the Brazilian representative uh, acting on behalf of Lula's government supported Jose Bustani and supported accountability for the cover up scandal. That that to me was a big shift. So I don't see it as a lost opportunity. I thought it was great. Yeah, that was great. But I mean, when when the Iraq invasion took place, you know, Lula. And said that he his war was against hunger, and he had a, a very compelling argument, you know, that U.S. threatens anyone who dares to tell the truth, you know. But I guess my question is, how would you guys write this speech, you know, if you were advisors to to Lula or to other officials, you know, how would you? Not my place. Not my place to to, to give Lula advice. He, um, you know, when you're a global South leader. You face a lot of threats, I think. You face the threat of your own. You know, in Brazil, for example, they have a hugely powerful elite. There's a, there's a faction of that that hates Lula, wants to undermine him. Uh, and then he has to deal with the U.S., which will constantly coup any government that acts out of line. So that's a tough line to follow. So it's not my place to give uh, a Global South leader any kind of advice. I just that, That's not my lane. Do you have advice for him? Yeah. Well, I thought that the to mention, you know, how the work of Jose Bustani would be really huge, you know. It's a Brazilian guy working on the chemical weapons watchdog, you know. I never heard of this story since, you know, I since Aaron mentioned it. So I'm kind of disappointed, you know, with the foreign relations ministry here in Brazil because he was uh, an important figure, you know, and Aaron had to tell me and he's... Canadian. I mean, come on. Nobody speaks about this on um, Brazilian media. I'd be surprised if Lula's never spoken about this before, because um, I know that Lula and Bustani are friends, and um, 
I'd be, I would look that up to see if the Lillas really hadn't, I'd be surprised. Um, and, you know, I haven't even seen the film yet uh, with Bustani. It's called A Symphony for a Common Man. The problem is it's not available publicly. It's, oh, it'd be, it's been playing in festivals. Oh, oh okay. I know so, that Lula, I'm pretty it's sure. It's not like it's It's just doing the festival rounds. Yeah. Um, okay. I'm pretty sure uh, there is footage of Lula in that film. And uh, look, it was Bustani. Bustani appointed Lula to. I believe that Bustani appointed Lula to. Um, uh, sorry, I believe that Lula appointed Bustani as ambassador to somewhere after he was dismissed, or something like that. Anyway, the point is, it's my understanding that Lula has Jose Bustani's back, and uh, maybe we haven't heard the last of that. Sure. Uh, but I'm listen. I'm I, you know, um, and the, and the, the thing is, look, it, it has been more than twenty years since this happened. So that's what happens with this stuff is it gets forgotten. You know, um, yes. Listen, at, so so I just looked it up after Bustani got fired from the OPCW or, or ousted, was forced to resign by John Bolton. Then Lula appointed him as ambassador to the UK. So that is Lula coming to the defense of his. Uh, of a longtime diplomat. So there's an example right there of Lula actually siding with Bustani. Huh. Okay. <laughs> because look, because it's significant, right? That he goes to the UK because <laughs> the UK also was heavily involved in the war in Iraq. And, Bust- and Bustani was ousted from the OPCW for standing in the way of the war in Iraq. So then here, then Lula sends off Bustani to be the ambassador to the UK. So that's actually him standing up. Fair? Fair, yeah, sure. Fair, okay. Well, All right, Ian, thank you for the thanks call. Thanks for having us. Thank you. And thanks to everybody for joining us. Usefulidiots.substack.com or usefulidiots.locals.com. And Katie, uh, what's coming up on the Katie Helper Show this week? Um, we're going to have, I think, some discussion of uh, the abortion stuff, the Comstock rule, and Trump's indictment. Fun, okay, and that's Tuesday night. That's yeah, Tuesday night. Very cool. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Thanks. Bye, everyone.